Welcome to Gaia's Consciousness Podcast, expanding your mind and spirit. Learn even more at Gaia.com. Watch interviews, movies, and original series created to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Your journey begins here. One of the greatest intrigues among our audience here at Gaia has to do with Atlantis and Lemuria. Today we're going to take a look at what happened to destroy those ancient continents in new information coming from Tom Moore. And why now? Okay, let's find out. Because some of what's happening today, people start likening to some of what happened in Atlantis because a lot of people who incarnated at that time are back. Um, and a lot of times they're in communities together and kind of recognize each other. And we'll work our way toward, does this overlay, does the picture of what happened then overlay with anything going on today toward the end of our conversation? But first of all, uh, welcome back. Thank you. And let's get into the Gentle Way series to refresh everyone on what your background is and why we're talking about Atlantis and Lemuria today. Okay. Um, back in 2005, uh, the very first time that I ever communicated with a, an Indian shaman in the 1600s by the name of Reveals the Mysteries, he, he, said, uh, he said, Tom, uh, he said, uh, you have... Uh, incarnated again into the 20th and 21st centuries to reintroduce people to the gentle way. He gave me the name of my first book the very first time I ever talked to him. And so I'm saying, gosh, this guy's in the 1600s. How does the gentle way? And so this kind of gnawed on me for a couple of years. And finally, a couple of years later, I was talking, uh, communicating with Theo, my guardian angel, and uh, I said, Theo, how does, uh, is the gentle way? I was thinking maybe it's a thousand years. He said, oh, Tom, it dates all the way back to your Atlantean days when you were inspired to create the gentle way. This was about 12,700 years ago. And what is the gentle way? The gentle way is a simple, easy method for you to request benevolent outcomes in your life. And it works absolutely perfectly along with your soul contract because if it's on your soul path, if it's within those boundaries, your request will be given to you. These, these guardian angels are actually golden light beings. And the creator of this universe asked for volunteers to do this. And these golden light beings um, applied, shall we say, and they take care of thousands and thousands of souls all at the same time. They're, they're Im immensely powerful, much more than we can imagine. Mm -hmm. And the Creator, uh, out of love, gave them the job of looking after us. But they are to leave us alone unless we request the assistance. And if we request the assistance, even if it's for just a parking spot uh, or your drive to and from work, they will, they will assist you, but you have to ask. I think you're so right on, on two points, to both points you made, which are, are major and often misunderstood. And that is that um, your desire will be granted when it's coming in alignment with the soul. Mm -hmm. And I've had a couple conversations with this, uh, on this subject with guests recently, because it's so important, because people 
look at their lives and say, oh, you know, I've tried all these other, I've tried all the, the secrets there are, and they don't seem to work for me. So, again, separating this out into what is in alignment with the soul, the soul's desire, mm -hmm. that's where that's where the help comes. Right. And that's where the answers are given with ease and so forth. But one has to determine what that soul purpose or soul desire soul is. And it's soul hard. contract they don't, is. They don't tell you. You, know, you, you have to figure it out. But if you request, keep requesting what I call MBOs, most benevolent comes in your yes. life, it will keep you on your soul contract. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I've given the example uh, before that that I, I, since I'm in the film distribution business uh, normally, um, uh, at one point uh, I and a friend of mine in Paris um, were going to try and put together a, a slate of about five films uh, uh, based on the spy novels of a guy by the name of Cheney in, uh, in World War II. And I went all over the place, Paris and, <laughs> and Budapest and St. Petersburg, Russia, and all this other stuff, trying to put together uh, the money to do the, these films. And each time something really weird would come up that it wouldn't go through. And finally I asked Theo, I said, why didn't this go through? And he said, Tom, he said, uh, had you gone down that path, you would never reach the number of people that you're going to reach with your books and your speaking. There you go. And, and conversely, you can stumble into something and you think, oh my God, it's, I, where's this wind under my wings coming from? Where there, you can do no wrong because you've touched into something, whether it's a project or a relationship, a path of some kind, uh, even a passion of yours that is in alignment with what the soul came to express in this lifetime. And it's as though it's greased lightning. Yep. Things come to fruition with such grace and ease. As long as you keep requesting benevolent outcomes in your life, yeah. you're you're headed down that path. Absolutely. No no offsides. <laughs> yeah. I mean in that along that same line, I did not want to be on television. I had no interest in television, super shy. I mean, I never even raised my hand in class, you know, <laughs> growing up. And uh, I did it on a dare. And it's lasted me an entire lifetime because I was supposed to be doing exactly what I'm doing now. But, you know, along the way, there are projects that come and go. And some of them you can bang your head against the wall like you trying to distribute this. Yeah. And others where uh, there was this one, this is, well, I'll just get to this because it's kind of fun. The, a friend of mine is a, was a really superb channeler in her day. You know, I still think of her as, as kind of the, the real hallmark of it. And um, she, a friend of mine was having a channeling from her and said, why don't you sit in and listen? I said, sure. And during the middle of this session, um, the, the person who was channeling, who's very passive and their eyes are closed and they look kind of dead almost, uh, the, her hand went up and the finger went over and pointed where I was in the corner of the room and randomly said, and you do something about the trees. So I was supposed to somehow use media to pass on information about protecting trees, I guess. They never said any more than that. Mm. I thought, well, that was weird and that was random, right? So it was about a year and a half later all these events had transpired. I ended up doing this amazing documentary on the Sierra and Nevada mountain range and the peril that was occurring to mm -hmm. its water and trees, in particular the forests. It was all done, it won awards, and it was being taken up in, by universities and all of this for their educational purposes. And all of a sudden I thought, hold on a minute. 
it was all about the trees. The, the trees. And so, everything yeah. we needed fell in. I mean, and more. There mm -hmm. was nothing I could have done to screw that project up because, again, it was in soul alignment. And so it's just, I love the, I love giving examples here and there mm -hmm. about how this stuff actually works because you can feel it when it's happening. You can almost, you can't ruin it when it's right, right? And, and I've, you know, all the trees on earth all have group souls. Absolutely. And and so I've communicated with pine tree soul, yep. oak tree soul, yeah. <laughs> among Yeah, among redwood. So, yeah. yeah, I'm a tree lover. I just had never thought of doing anything about the trees with my professional line of work. But here you go. So the trees, the trees actually, a whole bunch of legislation happened after that. Mm -hmm. And uh, the trees actually were in much better shape for their futures after we did this project. So there you go. We did something about the trees. So let's now let's get on to Atlantis because a lot of people, um, we, they understand the myth and they think of it as one golden high culture that became corrupt and boom, it was gone in a day. And the fact is it's a much longer, much more rich and complex history. Yes. Many, many races uh, existed there simultaneously. And let's talk about the Atlantis as it was explained to you. And first of all, how massive it was and where it was located. Sure. Atlantis, the, the continent, uh, was explained to me as being 10% larger than today's Australia. And it was located in between North America and Europe and Africa. It was in the shape of a parallelogram, and the top of it was at about the 47th parallel, and the bottom of most of the continent was around the 30th parallel. Mm -hmm. And it had a tail that actually extended all the way down to the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. And it was about 100 miles, the continent uh, came down uh, parallel to North America about 100 miles off the coast. And it came within 30 miles of the continent of Africa. And I think this is something people uh, don't often understand is how large this continent was. Yeah. Yeah, and all of the different cultures that were present mm -hmm. and the time frame. So now let's talk about, we've kind of got an idea of what it, what it was like geographically and, and mm -hmm. landmass. Let's talk about the span of time that it existed over. Okay. Or let's the, say that civilization there yes. existed over. That's a Homo sapiens were placed there 60,000 years ago. Okay, 60,000. Now that's, that's a long time when you think, how much, where we've come in six or 7,000 years of recorded history. Um, that's all we have. And, and so here, they, they were in existence from 60,000 years ago. Um, Edgar Casey mentioned the first destruction. And in my meditations, they sort of skip over that. They didn't, they said the continent wasn't that, um, uh, uh, peopled at that time period when that first destruction happened when the poles um, reversed and certainly there were people on the coast that died but they they kind of go past that so th they they jumped to the really really big destruction which was about 31,000 years ago but in between that would have been they, the middle destruction yeah and that was a big one that was that, that was, was very traumatic and yeah. and changed the way humanity would develop from that point forward yes um, so in, in that time period from 60,000 to 31,000 uh, 
they, uh, they were given free energy. I mean, they had what were called posers. These were giant crystal towers, about 25 feet tall, and they were magnetically generated, activated, so that they put out a signal like a radio signal. And it was limited by the curvature of the Earth, so they had to have these posers every few miles because all their airplanes, all their their buses and trolleys and, and everything, cars, they all ran on this broadcast energy. So they it had limits. The cars uh, and all could only travel about 65 miles an hour. The cars were mostly used by government people, everybody else used mostly tr public transportation. But they had free energy, all their homes were lit. Everything was taken care of by this free energy. The problem is they eventually misused this free energy and developed laser weapons. Yeah, and this is interesting because of all the different, there's so many different renderings uh, from different people that have remembrances of being in, in Atlantis. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people that have incarnated at this time, a lot, a lot. who had multiple incarnations in Atlantis. You have, I have, yeah. uh, probably most of the people in this studio and watching have had lives in Atlantis at one time. And it depended on kind of where you were in the society at a given time, what your role was. But the one thing that everyone seems to agree on is that free energy was the means of energy distribution. That mm -hmm. it, there, When I've been back into those lifetimes, there was never a cable or uh, you know, a pole or a wire, there's none, none of that. The energy is free and present within a house. The lighting sources were uh, naturally, seem to be illuminated from within, right? Mm. Um, and so the free energy as we know now, uh, scalar energy, scalar waves, et cetera, uh, have the potential to be weaponized. Now, the channeler I mentioned earlier, one time when she was taken back by her husband in a past life, was talking about, and I wanna know what you, received on this, was talking about a period of history where they were being attacked from the air mm -hmm. and they were going for cover in an area that was very heavily forested. What other civilizations were interfacing with Atlantis at that time? Okay, I think the person went back to a time at Poseidia. Okay. Mm -hmm. so, so, so explain that. Okay, yeah. 31,000 years ago, keep in mind, the continent of Atlantis was sitting right on top of the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. Mm -hmm. There was a line of volcanoes, supervolcanoes, sitting right on top of that Mid-Atlantic Ridge. They all exploded at the same time, and the continent of Atlantis sank. Exploded is the right word, yeah. Yes, and, and the continent broke apart, and most of it sank, leaving islands here and there that were still uh, still around most of them today, except for an island called Poseidia, and it was the size of Cuba and in round in shape, and then 375 miles to the south and on a direct line out from Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. interesting, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> was Aaron. And Aaron was about the size of Hispaniola, and, they, and there were five smaller islands right below that, all in the Atlantic Ocean. So all the oceans of the world went up 160 feet because of the displacement when this continent sank. And 
millions of people all over the world drowned. Yeah. When the, the oceans rose 160 feet and stayed there. You know, it was huge. So, you know, we had these islands left, and, and it took them quite a long time to recover. Uh, of course, you had all this mud, which was mentioned, I think, in, by Plato or, mm-hmm. or someone, all this mud in, in the oceans that stayed yes. a long, long time. Yeah. It was unnavigable. Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, so but finally it went away. And so that's that's where where these societies ran. Now, most of the people that followed the religious beliefs of the law one were on Poseidon and the sons of Belial were mostly on Aaron and and those little islands below it. So that's. That sets up, you know, and this, again, it goes from 31,000. Now, when, when they went to war against each other, that was 12,500 years ago. Mm-hmm. In the later stages. In the later stages. Before the They were already warring. They were already sinking ships yeah, yeah. and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. What your friend may have seen was that 12,500 years ago, the, the sons of Belial people said, we just can't take these people anymore. Let's wipe them off the face of the earth. And so they did what I call a Pearl Harbor attack, where early in the morning they had about 325 of these aircraft, and, and they went up with these laser weapons and attacked Poseidia. And using these labor, laser weapons, it could literally melt the ground people stood on right. not, and them, the people themselves. The people of Aaron thought they knew where all the air bases were on Poseidia, but they didn't. And so the Poseidians um, retaliated. And this went back and forth, and finally all the islands sank to the bottom of the ocean. The oceans rose 41 feet at that point, and this is when the story of Noah was created. The story of Noah was in, was in all the religions, although the Indians changed his name to Manu mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, for Indian purposes. Mm-hmm. He actually did build this ark, and it actually did float, but it, it, the oceans were only up 41 feet, so not all the world was covered. It's just people thought, thought it was. And eventually he, he did land on the lower slopes of Mount Ariat, and uh, one of the sons married a girl from a, a part of the, of the world that was not covered with water. Yes, okay, so we've, we've covered quite a bit there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, again, when we're looking at historical references, as we know in modern times, history is written by the victors. Yes. So it's really the collective memory of people like you and me and people watching this that's going to piece together what Atlantis truly was over that long, long time frame. And another thing that's not understood is Egypt had a very, very ancient culture. It wasn't 10, 15, 20,000 years. This existed simultaneously with Atlantis. 500,000. Exactly, exactly. And so there was uh, not just communication, and I think this is where a lot of what's interesting comes in, is if we can simply get comfortable with the fact there has been air travel on this planet for and technology for a very long time. Mm-hmm. It explains a lot about how p- cultures that shouldn't be where they are, languages that shouldn't be where they are, are. 
right? The mm -hmm. movements of groups of people and the reestablishment of cultures around the planet. Well, this happened in the times of Lemuria and Atlantis and in Egypt, like you say, even to the point of devastating air battles. And so then you had ships. Let's talk about them as a seafaring culture as well, because they, they establish connections uh, with even, even up into Scandinavia and Britain many, many thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. And we're already migrating to some of these areas with some of the knowledge that they possessed at that time. So let's talk about those, some of those well, migratory patterns. Okay, keep in mind, the Atlanteans were pretty aggressive people. So some, they, yeah. actually, they actually conquered most of the Mediterranean. And yes, they had a very aggressive sect of people, but not all of them were aggressive. There were a lot of races there. And some that had the technology were more aggressive. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and so and the one place that they never could conquer was Africa. Even though the continent came within 30 miles of Africa, they tried a couple of times because I was a soldier in two lives in which I got killed um, uh, with the force going, uh, trying to uh, invade Africa. And, and they had this Achilles heel where these aircraft could only operate in the daytime. I don't know why, but... You probably had the, something to do with the sun. In the daytime, yeah. 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 And so, and I think maybe in my book, I may have said 2,000 warriors, but I've since been told no time... You you just didn't b uh, believe it could be so many more, but it was actually twenty thousand sort of my side kind of warriors would wait until darkness, and they would come and they just literally wiped out the invading forces, mm -hmm. and uh, so they never could they they never could conquer Africa. Yeah, and this was something I just came across recently I thought was fascinating, and I'm going to bring it up in another conversation. Um, it has to do with some of those who had emigrated from the northern part, perhaps when the very first destruction occurred. And uh, this was not something that was unknown. It didn't happen in a flash, per se. I mean, there was some knowledge and instability of the earth. So in the northern part, some of the people who were more uh, aggressive in nature and seafaring had gone to Scandinavia and started mating with the indigenous Norse people of the day mm -hmm. and created what are now what are now known today as the mighty Vikings, that these were kind of Atlantean and Scandinavian hybrids from the very early days of Atlantis. Now, I thought that was fascinating. It's not something I've ever given consideration to. And I haven't asked enough questions on that. So Maybe ask I'm, some questions I'm and going see to what's have to in ask there. Some questions. Because this was a mighty race that that yeah. was is still known to this day. We're still doing television series based on the ferocity of this race of people and their yeah. and the physicality, the large stature and strength mm -hmm. of the Viking people. So again, that so that's some information I had read about. Gaia.com lets you explore over 8,000 films, documentaries, and original series. There's so much going on in the unseen world. Hidden truth. Why in the media today? They still seem to hold back on these incredible stories. Behind an unknown universe. Where science and spirituality all come together. Gaia.com. Content you can't find anywhere else. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. I want to go now to this 31,000 years ago mm -hmm. middle uh, destruction, the second destruction, okay. and talk about the nature of it because you use the word explosion, and I believe that is one of the prominent 
uh, times I had been regressed to. I didn't know I was going there. Turned out that's where I ended up was on one of the destructions of Atlantis, and it wasn't the final one. Mm-hmm. And I had deduced by now it was the middle one. Okay. Um, and you're right. It's as though everything just exploded and melted. It was it was horrific. horrific. Talk about it from your perspective and what you've been told and know. Oh. Because we're still traumatized by it. Yeah. People that were around. You know, I mean, when I have people asking questions of me, and all they they don't understand that there were stages of destruction. Yes, okay. they don't. Mm-hmm. And and even there was a, you know, we'll eventually get to Lemuria, mm-hmm. where uh, where they destroyed themselves too, and the oceans rose 170 feet. Mm-hmm. So we've had three major times in our history where the oceans rose 160, 41 feet, and 170 mm-hmm. feet or more. So it... It coordinates with scientists saying, well, the oceans rose 370 to uh, 5 to 400 feet, but it probably they just, it just rose a foot every century. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that way. Mm-hmm. It actually Right. Happened. Calamities. Right. Calamities. And, but so let's talk about this, this okay. destruction where things exploded, so to speak. Yeah. I know that there were places like Bermuda and, and the Canary Islands and and, and such and and, and the Bahamas, mm-hmm. okay, that that were left. Did they tell you the nature of the explosions? Only that it was volcanic. Yeah. So okay. So maybe I can help fill in that piece because Dolores Good Cannon point. regressed me oh, back to okay. that time. I didn't think I was going there at all. I thought I was going somewhere else entirely, but I ended up there. Okay. And at that time, and I don't want to bore the viewers, I think I mentioned, I did mention this in another show, but it's been a long time. <laughs> so uh, what happened was there was over a long period of time, this energy had been building up so that it was becoming unstable for quite a long time. I happened to be in, with a group of women that worked in one particular temple, and our job was literally to work telepathically and with our energies projecting them to try to hold the earth energy stable. But in the outside world, there were those working with the crystalline technologies of the day. Mm-hmm. And they were amping up the technologies. Again, everything was trying to stop mm-hmm. what was inevitable, stop the eruption. And by using force, thinking you can control it. We were using telepathic force. They were using crystal energy technology force. It yep. didn't work, and we all knew that it was going to blow. But what was interesting was that in that day, and this has been validated by two other people totally separately from me who were there and saw the same thing, there were spacecraft that were in the near atmosphere hovering right above. They, too, were trying to, I think they some people were with them. They'd taken some people. Mm. But they were also trying to hold the energies to stop the loss of what was going to happen because yep. it was a pretty advanced culture and a lot was going to be lost. But this gets back to what you said about the, sun, about the ships only working in the daytime. Yep. Okay, so what I kept saying in this uh, regression was, oh my God, we've ruined everything. Because I thought the guys with the crystal and technology were ruining things. They were trying to help. I just didn't know. I was cloistered. I said, we've ruined everything. We have the most delicate, perfect matrix of the, with the sun that we have developed. In, com- in relationship to the sun. So there was something about the sun, and I could see it as a lattice work, mm-hmm. and the technologies we were working with that worked together 
and it was really beautifully developed. And I said, we're going to lose it now, and it'll be a long time before we wake up and remember this again. So that might have something to do, and I, I don't know the nature of it any more than just that, because this happened very quickly. Yep. That the sun and the crystal and energy technology were dependent on each other, huh? Obviously, I have more to well, ask. Well, ask more about all that because <laughs> I, I need to ask pieces you have and vice versa. Yep. Yeah. So now we have this culture, and some of these aggressive folks have gone off. Let's talk about all the places that the Atlanteans had emigrated to over time, and where their culture affected other peoples in other lands. Well, are we talking about the aggressors where they they went in? And conquered. Yeah, because there are also those who were poets and mathematicians and yeah. such that went to but, other areas. Yeah, but but this was all before the thirty-one thousand. Mm -hmm. Because once once that destruction happened, everything, everyone came back. They 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 left these places, but they also left their history. Yeah. So as an example, when it got down to about twelve thousand seven hundred years ago, where where I had created the gentle way, and I had about a million people that were that were requesting benevolent outcomes in their lives. Um, but then I was told by by off-world people, uh, and even flown in a spaceship over to Egypt, that you know this this is going to go badly. They're going to destroy themselves, and you and you need to immigrate. And so, with twenty-five thousand people, we immigrated through Spain and France and what have you, and and we all finally made it over to Egypt. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, Egypt, uh, Edgar Casey mentions that he had a life as Rata, who was banished to some outer, <laughs> outer, outer place, and they brought him back to deal with the Atlanteans. Mm -hmm. And that was my group, because they thought, gosh, here's 25,000, they're going, they're going to conquer us again, because they had all these old records of being conquered. And we had to explain to them that, that we were gentle people, and we were not there to conquer anybody. And there was an Egyptian princess that helped us in our resettlement, and that's my wife today. Mm -hmm. So, and now in her next life, it'll be 12,500 years ago approximately, and she's going to be a, a he, and he's going to be a major leader of his people, and I'm going to be his assistant, but that's a past life for me and, and my wife's future life, her next life. Well, understanding that time is not linear. Time, you can have lives going on at the same time um, as you have other lives. Um, and and uh, uh, it, it just all depends on what your soul needs for growth. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so now we're talking about the people uh, through these various destructions who have then left and have influenced others, who, who made it through, whether they were taken out in an aircraft or whether they found their way via some kind of seafaring vessel, mm -hmm. made their way. And my understanding is to the north, a lot of the um, what we, we don't see it as it originally was, but the Druidic culture from Ireland and, and throughout Britain was really a result of knowledge that had been brought over in the higher days of Atlantis, mm -hmm. and that a lot of that was then inculcated and then kept 
with among the Druids. And still today, what's remaining of the Druids, they still have some of that original knowledge, but it was kept and it was primarily in oral history, but also written, but in a way that's coded that we wouldn't understand. I mean, the alphabetic letters, for example, each represented a tree, you know. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, very interesting kind of intelligent encoding. So here you have this wonderful, you know, group of people holding on to the higher esoteric knowledge. Way up north in the very early days, yes. you have some barbaric behavior, really, in conquering other areas. Let's talk about what happened. Oh, last year at this time, we were in Sardinia shooting. Mm -hmm. And one thing that the Sardinians were talking about is they have a history of a race of giants. They believe they're descendants of the Atlanteans, or that Atlanteans certainly were present there. And they're afraid of these tidal waves. They're afraid of the seashore. Because I said, well, you, you swim? is oh, no, we don't go near the sea. There's this kind of deep cultural memory of being um, inundated with water, mm. which would go with what you're saying, right? Yes. Yeah. So, and this is throughout. So that's the Mediterranean. That's mm -hmm. one part. And the, the, this exists in a lot of different cultures, these same thoughts, remembrances, and fears. Yeah. A lot of people have fears. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go west. What happened? North America bordered it, too. wasn't that far away. So let's talk about the influences there. One of the things that, that happened after this destruction 31,000 years ago was that they had to find crystals to replace the ones that were lost in the destruction. Mm -hmm. So they wound up going to an area near Hot Springs, Arkansas. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they actually would have mining towns, and a mining town would be, be there with maybe 125 or 50 people, mm -hmm. and they would mine out a certain area. They had, they had um, devices that would find these large crystals. They weren't quite as good as maybe the ones that they had because of, of all the volcanic activity on, uh, on the Atlantean continent. But they, they were able to find large crystals. And so they'd mine an area, then they'd move the whole town to another area, in, uh, you know, not too far away, and another area. So, and they would, they would actually uh, fly these, I think, I think they flew them, um, these crystals back to the coast, and then transport them back over to the uh, islands the, that were still remaining. Yeah, and this worked, you know, for a long time. I mean, there really was this this transportation of these crystals, and I've been told that even some of the people, you know, the farmers that live to the west of Hot Springs, have found tunnels, but they. They don't want anybody. They don't want anyone on their property, so they don't tell anybody about them. Interesting. So, <clears throat> so once the final destruction occurred, there are a lot of factors at play here. You're talking about it seems a lowering of consciousness that was occurring from mm -hmm. the very early days on. You're talking about reestablishment of certain practices and understandings in Egypt and throughout the world, right? Mm -hmm. So, and by the way, uh, with me, I took. A couple of instruments, healing instruments, and one was like a healing bowl, and supposedly it's in a it's in a museum somewhere, and nobody knows what it does. Okay, so I I, I, I smuggled these out of Atlantis because you weren't supposed to take them with you, and and I did healings in Egypt. Um, I was called a priest, but they they were very limited on their. Um, uh, uh, on their their vocabulary, 
this was a, really a third world country. And so everybody was called priests. <laughs> so I was kind of like a healing If you had priest. any knowledge, you hmm. were a priest. Uh, right. Probably, yeah. yes. So have you figured out where that is yet? Are you going on a treasure hunt to find the bowl? No. <laughs> <laughs> let it go. Let yeah. it go until next time. Yep. Okay. So the final destruction has occurred. Um, now, we know that the, we already know that people like yourself and others had already made their way to Egypt and taken whatever knowledge they had with them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. And, you, and, and other people went to like the Yucatan. Yeah. And to Yucatan and, as and well. Guatemala, Absolutely. You know, mm -hmm. so we weren't the only group that no. was escaping, but, but certainly we were one of the larger groups. And then there was even another guy, and I can't remember his name, that brought a separate group of people and he was out to sort of be a leader in, in Egypt, and I wasn't. I, you know, I just wanted to mm -hmm. take care of my group. I was mm -hmm. a religious leader. I was not, mm -hmm. uh, you know, per se. Uh, I was simply, you know, having people follow the general way. Mm -hmm. And there's also some thought then when you're talking about going um, west that the Mayan culture was established also mm -hmm. uh, based on that that was originally part of a remnant of the Atlantean culture were the Mayans with their yeah. advanced understandings of mathematics in exactly. these beautiful cities that were st established in South America and such in Central America that this was also a uh, remnant of Atlantean knowledge and culture right. and most of it which has been lost to time is is buried underneath jungles and is now being rediscovered it's like wow how did you have such technology technology yeah. in the day. So, I mean, this is fascinating on so many levels. Graham Hancock's work has looked at going into uh, South America, into the Amazon, mm -hmm. and looking at some of the remnants of these amazing cities that had to have been after the destruction of Atlantis. It's a really kind of popular subject right now. Yeah. Now, let's go back further to Lemuria, because my understanding is Lemuria and Atlantis also were culturally somewhat concurrent with each other. So let's go to Lemuria, okay. which preceded it, but ended up overlapping with Atlantis. Okay. So I was told that I've had, between Atlantis and Lemuria, somewhere around 180 lives. Mm -hmm. and, and I was told that I'm probably, uh, I'm the, the only person on Earth that has had that many lives on both continents. So when I ask about Lemuria, I was told 65. And I said, why so few? And I was told that Lemuria for thousands of years, and they were populated at the same time Atlantis, the Atlantean continent yes. was yeah. 60,000 years ago with Homo sapiens. So they, uh, for thousands of years, they had a very idyllic society, very easygoing. So I didn't need as many lives there uh, due to the fact that that they were <laughs> much different, you know, uh, than than the Atlantean people, where they had a, a lot of things going on. They were and, living in more close companionship throughout with nature, mm -hmm. nature spirits, the spiritual world in general. Yes. So it was a more gentle reality. A gentle reality. <clears throat> right. And actually, until the the big destruction of it, the Atlantean continent, when the seas rose 170 feet, they were actually connected to Japan. And so this continent was 12% larger than Australia is today. And it extended within 100 miles of Hawaii. And for thousands of years, the Lemurians vacationed on Hawaii. 
And so that's why you can feel this Lemurian yeah. energy when you go to Hawaii. Very gentle. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and even, and, and, and this gentleness extended all the way down to within about a thousand years uh, before their destruction, which was 7,500 years ago. As things picked up and they started being more warlike, uh, there were five countries that inhabited the continent of Lemuria. They were divided like Europe is today by mountains, rivers, things like that. So there were five countries. And so they continued to vacation in Hawaii, but each country would have their own beach. And so some beaches would be inhabited by people that would be very clothed, and other people might look like the French uh, on a beach. So that's how they handled it. They continued to, to vacation on Hawaii. So I've told people, you know, I've, I've, I'm asked, well, how can I feel the Lemurian energy again? Go to Hawaii, and, 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 and you can feel that energy. And they have their own legends about that in Hawaii. Sure. And so the people of Mu were considered a more gentle people, a people that were peaceful, peaceful mm -hmm. at heart, yes. uh, not technologically driven. Right. And there again, there are so many remembrances of what life was like on Lemuria. Now, where does, um, say, Pol Polynesia, Chile, New Zealand, California even come into the story? Okay. In that last 1,000 years, uh, their technology was really picking up. They became more warlike. Now, in my case, um, I was asking one day, I said, I said did, I, did I ever have a life on Lemuria? And, and Theo said, ah, Tom. <laughs> and when he says that, I'm, I'm going to hear something. He said, you helped uh, destroy the continent. So it turned out that I was a religious leader in one of the five countries. And we really were getting warlike. And we had developed the equivalent of a hydrogen bombs. Okay? And so we didn't think these other two countries had developed hydrogen bombs. And so uh, I encouraged them, oh yeah, let's go ahead and attack them. And uh, so we did, but they did have, and they retaliated with their own hydrogen bombs. So that's, that's what broke that continent up. Well, and it took me <coughs> 85 or 87 lives to balance that one. I, I consider it my worst life on, on earth. Mm -hmm. oh, we all have uh, <laughs> screw-ups. <laughs> yeah. oh, that was so, a major one. So you're saying 7,500 years ago this would have occurred. Yes. And so if you're saying then, what would the implication have been with 170-foot tidal, essentially, uh, rise of sea level Yes. at that time? Again, and, and this is why you know people say, well, why don't we have records of all this? It's because we've had three times in our history, 160, 40, 41, and 170 feet where the oceans rose and drowned people all over the world, wiped out cities, all the cities, towns, villages that were on the coasts of the world, and all their records and everything were all Buried in mud. Completely wiped, wiped away. Mm-hmm. And so you start hearing a common theme here, you know, which is exhibiting itself today, uh, kind of uh, interests that are vested in, in our case, in the profit of war. 
mm-hmm. right? And the prophet oh, of disease. Absolutely. Everything that is anti-life seems to be where the big money follows and goes. So now what so if let, you, So I'll tell you yeah. something that's coming that I've yeah. been told. Okay. Within the next year or so, uh, there's going to be someone, and it won't be someone, it'll be like a corporation that is going to give to the world a free energy machine. I wouldn't be surprised at that. We've been sitting on the precipice of it for ages. Yes, I mean, and I was told that there had been free energy machines before that were bought up by the oil companies Mm -hmm. and buried. Mm -hmm. But this one is going to be given to the world with no patent, so to speak, and it will change the world because every single little village in the world will be able to have electricity. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of been, that's been what Stephen Greer in the Disclosure Project has mm-hmm. talked about, and a lot of people have talked about that yeah. really all of this, the game we're playing right now kind of comes to a close once free energy is reintroduced to the planet. Exactly. And there are many, many entities, people, even now corporations who are vying with each other to be the first to introduce it. But again, when you're trying to corner a market, mm-hmm. when you're trying to make gajillions of dollars off of it as the first to market uh, and patents and so forth, but not going it doesn't do happen. Yeah, it, but just, it hasn't made it out. But if you yeah. say someone's going to freely offer it, that, yes. that's a game changer. That's the game changer. Yeah, that would be really and, exciting. And it'll be like, I, I won't say it will be a Bill Gates, but it might be someone like that that will, will say, this is my gift or this is our gift to the planet. So all we can do now is wait and see and hope and, that that is true. And request a benevolent outcome. And request that, a benevolent outcome. That it comes even sooner than we can hope for expect. So let's talk about then, just in, in wrapping things up here, the relevance of talking about, we can kind of see it from mm. what you just said, the relevance of having some knowledge about Lemuria or che- even checking into our own deep past mm-hmm. with Lemuria, life on Lemuria and life in Atlantis and where we are today. How would you talk about that in summary? Okay. First of all, I was told that it's time to, uh, it's time to reveal all this again because we have reached a vibrational level at that harmonic convergence of 1987 mm-hmm. where we reached, reached a vibrational level where we will never destroy ourselves again. Well, that's excellent news. Yeah. yeah. And, and in fact, in the next hundred years, you're going to see conflicts slowly go down to the point where there'll be almost no conflicts a hundred years from now. Mm-hmm. And, and that might be kind of hard for, you know, because everybody lives in fear in some ways. But that's not, that's not going to happen. We're going, a uh, hundred years from now, I'm told that people will look back at this time period and it, it, it's like what we look back at that 1917, 18, 19 period mm-hmm. that was so to us, fundamental or, or or basic, that they're going to look back at our time period. It's going to be that much progress in the next 95 to 100 years. I believe that because I think most of the people on this earth, it doesn't matter where you come from, understand that war now is barbaric mm-hmm. and there's no place for it. Right. There's no place for it anymore. You can't defend it. And I think one of the beauties of what's happened with media, as much as you have crazy information and disinformation and such all jumbled together out there, is there, there is enough that has happened to show how wars actually occur, that they only serve a handful of people generally. Yes. And it's the industrial 
what is it, industrial, military, complex. intelligence yeah, complex, exactly. or whatever it's called. Yeah, it serves this handful to keep them, yeah. um, you know, in power in the mm -hmm. ways that they like to be in power. But that has nothing to do with the rest of humanity. And it's really irrelevant now. War doesn't work any longer. I think mm -hmm. most people have televisions, they have computers, they have enough that they've learned, wait a minute, there's some pretty shadowy things going on behind every single one of these wars. I'm not going to participate. And yeah. certainly the younger genera generations are more and more savvy yeah. that there's no place for war anymore. Hell in no, draining our, go. yeah, in draining <laughs> the old, our resources, as the old well. yeah, and the hippie generation, <laughs> you know, world, yeah, the Vietnam War. <laughs> so no, this this is good. I, I can definitely see what you're talking about, where war will become extinct. Yep. And so, and over time, if we have clean energy, we won't have to go through the processes that we are now of damaging and polluting the planet. So free energy coming in is definitely good news. So. Yeah, this, these are good messages. Well, Tom, uh, thank you so much. Any any final things you would like to say before we sign off here? Just like to mention that that my the General Way book, uh, one the General Way a self help guide for those who believe in angels, mm -hmm. is in audio form now. Oh, good. And it's also in Greek and German and Spanish, and, and in case people would like to uh, uh, to check it out and check out my Atlantis and Lemuria: The Lost Continents Revealed. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. Always a fascinating conversation and also a reminder that things change, but we're still here. So you can go to The Gentle Way Book to learn more about Tom's work and order a copy of his book. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on Open Minds. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gaia's Consciousness Podcast. Learn even more at Gaia.com and watch interviews, movies, and original series all to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Gaia. Watch. Belong. Transform.